We're going to be looking at uh, the series that Jared put together for us, Have You Forgotten? How many, uh, we all know we're gifted in some area, some form or fashion, some are gifted in the ability to sing, others are gifted in the ability to speak, and others are, uh, you're, you're, you're just gifted in some kind of trade. Maybe you're a great welder. Maybe you're an awesome driver. Maybe you're the greatest mother in all the world. Maybe, you're, uh, maybe you have a, a calling on your life, and God has just gifted you because he's gifted all of us to do something, and everybody said, amen. amen. We're all gifted today. The greatest gift that he imparted to us is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. But we all are gifted in some form or fashion in life. But God has put his gift in us so that we can bless others. It's not just for our benefit, but it's for those around us. And as we face the hours that we're living today, we're living in a world, I don't, and I don't have to tell you, it's filled with fake news. And then there's good news. And we're here today to share good news. And good news is what feeds our spirit as well. You know, we... we eat quite often, very regular. We stay in practice. We, we eat better than probably any other thing that we're able to do because we, we, we practice eating, and it's a good thing to do. We, we have great, great things that we can uh, eat here in America. But, but as well as our, our physical calling, our physical gifting, our physical abilities, I'd like to talk to you about some of our spiritual giftings this morning. As much as our body wants to be fed and nurtured, we have a spirit inside of us that also has to be nurtured. It has to be fed. Sometimes it has to have correction. Sometimes the word, many, it may not be to you, but many times the word of God rebukes me for some things that I'm saying or doing that I shouldn't be saying or doing. But Jared put this series together, and the first week was honor. And he did such an awesome job as he brought forth a message on honor. And, and if I've ever met a man, and he, I think he's already maybe gone from the sound booth. I don't see sitting there this morning. But I, I want to say this. I've never met a, a, a man that could honor any better than Jared Cloud. And I am so glad. And I hope he's in the fellowship hall this morning if he is. And I know he, he knows how to handle uh, uh, bragging. I guess that's what you would say. But I want you to know he knows how to honor. I've watched him in the youth group. He honors young people. He honors you as parents and grandparents. And he just, he's just gifted in that area to bring honor. And he brought a, a challenging message four weeks ago uh, on honor. The second message that we had on have you forgotten is loyalty. As we live in America today, uh, we have two parties that represent the political realm, the Democrats and the Republicans, and then there's the independents, and then there's another one trying to rise its head. But uh, uh, we've lost the touch if we watch much news. We lo we've lost the real meaning, and, and America has forgotten what being loyal is all about. And listen, it's not about what, what political realm you stand for. It's whether or not you are loyal. And I, I'm so grateful that we have a church family that's loyal. We're loyal to one another. You're loyal to your, the, your pastor's family. Uh, you recognize us as leaders, and the loyalty of this church speaks well. We, we, we are so able to honor those in the community that are, that are leaders. We honor our school system. We'll be feeding the, 
the school administration and the, uh, the complete faculty in just a few days and we always have a gift for all the teachers and I think it's a t-shirt it has been the past couple of years and and they wear that t-shirt on the first day of school and it's just it's, there's nothing like honoring somebody and bragging on somebody that's accomplished great things we have some of the greatest people in all the world that have been raised up in this church and they've gone to other directions and they have, they have exceeded and today they stand tall as far as the world is recognizing their ability to stand tall and make a difference in this world. But in our political world today, they need help. And the only help or one of the greatest hands that God has to use today to change our world is you, the family of God. Not a religion, the family of God, the family that's met Jesus Christ, the family that's invited Jesus Christ into their life. I'm not a religious person this morning, but I love relationships. I love to have relationships. First of all, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves me no matter what. His love is unconditional. It's called agape love, the love with no expectation of anything in return. It's a kind of love that he wants to impart into each one of us so that when we meet opposition, when we meet people that don't like us, so that when we come against areas that are uncontrollable or when it seems like things are going good for everybody else, but for us, everything's just going the wrong direction, we can still allow the love of Jesus that was expressed at Calvary to flow through us because he's the greatest example we'll ever have. And he spent 30 years preparing for a three-year ministry. We see the closing pages of his life here on this earth, hanging on a cross between two thieves, sinless and blameless, and yet they, they hung him to a cross. Three days later, he rose victorious, and then he imparts this word through the living word of God called the Bible, because I live, I want you to live. And I'll do anything and everything I can to cause you to live. And I proved this, and that while you were yet unlovable, I died on, on the cross for you. That's the expression of God's love. So God wants a family that can be loyal, loyal to him first of all. And when you're loyal to him first, then you're, you can be loyal to others. And you know, I, I just like to say this this morning. You can have all of Jesus that you want. Sherry made my favorite homemade ice cream a few days ago, and there's nothing like banana homemade ice cream. Strawberry homemade ice cream will do. In fact, any homemade ice cream will do. Homemade ice cream is better than anything Brahms ever thought about. But when you, when you dish out some banana homemade ice cream, that's great. And I enjoy every bit of it. It, do, it, it, it makes me want to sing. It makes, make, it makes me happy because I'm enjoying something that ta fits my taste buds. Can I tell you, Jesus will fit your taste buds spiritually just like banana ice cream or Mexican food meets my taste buds. And if you're here this morning and, and you're lacking in any area, Jesus has a universal invitation and when he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The first thing he wants you to know is you need rest. Our spirit needs rest. Our body needs rest. Our mind needs rest. And there's nothing more vulnerable than an individual, even though we may be Christians, than being tired and weary and then being uh, contested about something we've said or done. 
So this morning we're going to go to an area and I want the Holy Spirit just to take this message and, and minister to us. And, and I, this family of God that, men, uh, that comes to Elm Grove is, is not like the illustration I'm about to use. But I read a, in a book of illustration this week where many people go into a restaurant or they treat church like, like this. They would go into a restaurant, the waitress would bring the menu, they look at the menu, it's a, and then they'd ask the waitress, well, what's good? What's, what's the great thing that you really uh, encourage your, your patrons to uh, eat when they come here? And the waitress will say, this is good, this is good, but boy, you've never tasted anything like this. What if that patron at noon said, well, that's good, that's good. Well, that sounds good, and they fold the menu and they walk out. And the illustration was this. If you go to church and you don't eat the Word of God, and you don't allow it to feed your spirit. That example of going into restaurants is just like going to church. And God brings us together, including myself, so that I can be fed. I, I was here at 930. I enjoyed Robert Morris as he really got close to me this morning in a, in a teaching. And what's he he's doing? He's feeding me. My spirit man needs groceries, the groceries of his word. Then we're here this morning to depend on God's word, and it's groceries to our spirit so we can grow spiritually, so we can come to maturity, so that we can let Jesus Christ be first in our life. And when he's first in our life, here's what he promises in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. He said, and you can know, you can have the knowledge. You won't forget this if you've got the knowledge that I'll work everything out for your good if you love me. And, and here's how it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God. If you love the Lord this morning, would you say a hearty amen? amen. This morning we're going to voice, to, to, actually week four, we had a special guest last week, but we're going to uh, week four this morning, and this message is entitled Integrity. A preacher got on a, a city bus one day, and he handed the bus driver uh, four quarters, and uh, the bus driver uh, took two of them and handed the other two back to him. And the pastor went back and sat on the bus. And when he got ready to get off the bus, he stepped forward to the bus driver. And he said, sir, uh, you gave me back 50 cents. He said, I, I pay a do dollar every time to ride the bus. And he said, you, you gave me back half of the fare. I want to make it right with you. And he said, no, pastor. He said, I was in your service last Sunday morning. I visited your church, and even though I'm a bus driver, you didn't know me. And he said, you preached on integrity. So he said, I gave you those two quarters back just to see if you do have integrity. He said, you did well. You passed the test. I don't know about you, but I've flunked many tests. The Bible says if I've failed in one of the commandments, I've failed them all. And so here, I'm not on a soapbox here today to say that this is, this is what you need to do. This is what you've got to do. This is, listen, we're all in this together. And the Bible says we're just children of God. And as we talk about one of the most important virtues, and, and the, something is very important, I believe that God wants us to remember, even though the world has really laid aside uh, integrity, I want to charge your battery this morning on what God's Word has to say. It's tragic as we live in a world today and it, when they're more shocked with truth than they are to untruth. It's tragedy uh, today when people who don't have integrity are honored more than people that do have integrity. And you can turn on the news about any time and you can see people that are honored and, and, and their deeds speak otherwise. 
And we've all had our issues, but let me say this this morning. We're going to reflect on two lives in the Bible, one who proved that his integrity could not be moved, and then we're going to talk about one of the disciples and how God told him, or Jesus told him, he said, before the day is over, you'll deny me three times. And, and he said, before the rooster crows, you will have de denied me three times. And we're going to tell you who that disciple is today. And as we look this morning for just a few moments, let's build a quick definition, first of all, of what integrity is. Let me ask you this morning, and I'm going to give you just a moment to think, what is integrity? What, what, does, it, what does integrity mean to you? I'm not going to Webster Dictionary, but I'm just going to say for my spirit what integrity means. Integrity is when our behavior matches our beliefs. When our integrity, when our action, when our walk matches our talk, that's integrity. When, when, when you live a life in this life, and when your public life matches your public life, that's integrity. Integrity is what you do when nobody else is looking. It's different than our reputation. Our reputation is who other people think we are. Your integrity or lack of integrity is who you really are. And can I say this this morning? We all care what people say. But let me say this. If God knows it, he knows it all. And so I just, I just want to talk to you out of my heart this morning. And turning to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3, it says, The integrity of the upright guides him, but the unfaithful are destroyed by duplicity. Wouldn't you agree today that there are many segments of our society that are being destroyed by leaders that have no integrity? And as we look at the pictures of God's Word this morning, I want to look at the picture of a gentleman by the name of Job. And I want you just to listen to me for a few moments. Job wasn't just an ordinary guy. He was a very wealthy man. And he was in tune with God. He wanted his family to live for God. He wanted the efforts of his life to be lined up with God's word. And here's what the first, first chapter of Job has to say about him. There, there was a man in, from the land of Oz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Boy, I tell you, if I could say that I was blameless, if I was upright all the time, I'd have it made. Job went beyond that. He feared God. I fear God also. But he also shunned evil. Notice what else. He had seven sons and three daughters. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all in the east. I would say he was pretty wealthy, wouldn't you? I'd say not only did he have oil wells, he had wind generators. Not only did that, did he have that, I, he had a, a great place to live. And all the fields that joined his property belonged to him because he had all of the livestock that a man could, could have or could, could, could want for him. But one day, Satan looks upon the life of Job, sees how God has blessed him, and God and Satan have a, have a visit, and, he, and Satan says, yeah, you built a hedge around him. Isn't it awesome to know that Satan knows that God has a hedge around us? That's awesome. Satan knows that God has a hedge around your life this morning, and he's put it there on purpose. 
And the devil says to God, he said, you let me take, you take that hedge down and let me have a shot at Job. And I'll, and I'll see, I'll, I'll show you that he's not just and upright and fears, fears God uh, and has all the respect for you in all the world. And God says, you can touch anything, but don't touch his, don't touch his life. One day the messenger comes in and he says, all your children were killed in a storm. Family's gone. Another messenger came in and says, while that was going on, uh, uh, another storm came by. Some of your, ox, your, your, your cattle are, are completely gone. You have nothing left in the fields. And yet, Job stayed true to God. And then one day, Satan says, well, he said, uh, I may have failed that test, but let me tell you what, what I'll, I'll make you a deal. God, you let me touch his health, and he'll, and he'll turn his back on you. And God says, I'll let you touch his health, but you can't touch his life. And Satan smote Job's body with boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. I don't know about you, but we don't hear m much about boils today. But when I was a child growing up, we had boils. And I'll never forget, I had one on my knee that just almost put me out and it would swell up it looked it looked like a big pimple for those that have ever been around boiled and it would eventually head and then you could squeeze that poison out and then it would usually get well job had those painful boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet he sat one day scraping the head off of those boils he was in such pain and agony and he was sitting in a pile of ashes and his wife was looking on and, and his wife says to him, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Here's integrity like no other man other than the Son of God had. He said, God, you may slay me, but I'm going to trust you. And all that happened, the Bible says Job never sinned. Well, I wish I had that kind of a, if I had that kind of a record, I'd just start jumping pews this morning. I would be so, I mean, I, I would, I could fly like a kite if I could say that about my own life. You want to turn from the front part of the book of Job to the last chapter, which is I think 41, 42 cha chapters. And the Bible says, because of Job's integrity, God returned to him twice of what Satan had taken away from him. Do you, know, do you know this morning that the Bible says God is a rewarder of those that will keep him first? He's a rewarder. He wants to reward you for goodness. And here's what happens to all of us. The Bible says goodness and mercy chases us every day of our life. Sometimes we ignore it, but sometimes we stop and say, thank you, Jesus, because mercy and goodness is chasing me all the days of my life. And as we look at the integrity today, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides him, but the unfaithful are destroyed with duplicity. And as we picture this from the Bible today, we can say integrity wrote Job's character very godly-like. Then I'm going to turn to another man's life, that his life would probably be closer to the life that I've lived. Everybody has good intentions. Everybody wants it to do it right. Everybody wants to walk close to God and yet enjoy life. And there's many times that we come to a decision point, and sometimes our decisions are not always perfect. And that's why we look at the benefits of the life of integrity. 
there's many more benefits in this life. And the first one, that if you're taking notes today, or if you just want to remember, you can walk closer to God with integrity than you can if you don't. The Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have if we ask anything according to his will. And if he hear us, hears us, we know we have our petition. There's nothing that will build your confidence in God like integrity. There's been times in my life that I, I, I just didn't have the confidence that I needed. There are times in my life I just needed to get down and repent and say, God, I want to become clean. I want everything to be in line with your word. And I want it to be what you've called me to be, not what I'm trying to be. And when we release our life to God and allow him to take our life and mold us and make us, the Bible says in the Old Testament we're like a piece of clay. And we go to the potter's house and the potter puts a piece of clay on the potter's wheel and he begins to mold it and make it into a vessel. Many, many times the vessel is impure. It's, it has it has flaws in it, and a good potter tosses it until, and he takes another handful of clay until he makes a vessel that's perfect. And a perfect vessel is a vessel that God wants us to be. However, until we graduate, we will always be on the potter's wheel, and he'll be molding us and making us. And sometimes the potter's hand doesn't, isn't always a hand that makes us feel good. Sometimes it's through correction. Sometimes it's through repentance. Sometimes it's going to people that know we've made wrong decisions and said, look, I did made the wrong decision. I'm so sad. I want you to forgive me. But listen, you can walk close to God when you have clean hands and a pure heart. Can I say this this morning? David said, who can dwell in the sanctuary of God? And God responds with this, he that has integrity. And notice what else he said. You can enjoy the ongoing communion with fellowship with God when there's unity. I look at what God does as he comes into our life. He imparts values that we all need to treasure. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. The, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Isaiah 40, 31 says, The joy of the Lord allows us to mount up with wings as eagles. It causes us to run and not be weary. It causes us to walk and not faint integrity will give you strength to go the second mile integrity when the going gets tough gives the tough people the energy to continue to go when God imparts his values into our life and and and, and calls us a part of his family he also gives us a desire to be honest David said who can dwell in the sanctuary of God I'm glad you're here this morning and I'm glad you're here this morning and we're all dwelling in God's presence today However, man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. I laughed at uh, an illustration that Robert Morris used not long ago in one of the DVDs we were listening to. Years ago, his wife came to him one morning and she says, Robert, she said, I've just lost my desire to read the Bible. And, uh, and I don't pray like I used to. And she said, I'm really concerned about myself. Robert said, well, why don't you tell that to Jesus? He said, oh, I wouldn't want to tell him. <laughs> God knows what's going on here. God knows exactly what's going on here. He knows we're all flawed vessels. He all, and here's how he looks at us. There's no big eyes and little U's. We're just all his kids. And the Bible says if you see a brother that has fallen, lend him a helping hand. Don't put your foot on his neck. He needs a hand to lift him up. 
And God wants you to be an encourager. He wants you to, to be one that will carry his abilities so that you're going to meet people. You're going to know that you've got the, the confidence that God rewards those that diligently seek him. So as we remember this morning the word integrity, it's the how that we allow our walk and our talk to come in line with his plan. And listen, this doesn't come automatically. It comes many times through hardships. It comes many times through challenges. But one thing that I need to tell you, you need to learn to build on what God has to say, not what people have to say. When we allow, when we allow what people have to say, direct us or take control of us, our life is out of control. I met a person not long ago, and, and they were telling me, I'm madder and blank at that person because I, I'm just mad because of what they did. And I said, well, they're controlling your life. You're out of control. You, you need to realize you're in control, and you don't have to get mad. You don't have to take to heart everything they said or done. But I said, have you ever noticed? If you haven't, just listen to me. You're out of control when you say that. Of course, him being my son, it, uh, the truth didn't go for him, but uh, he still listened. Don't let anybody control your life except the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us into all truth. And when you do err from the truth, that's the Holy Spirit says you need to make amends. You need to make things right. You need to go repent. You need to, you need, you need to just allow me to tell you what to do. And if you'll do it, the Bible says you'll be blessed in your deeds. Think about something else that God gives us. And when we, when we work on the area of be, having integrity, there's nothing that promotes the peace of God in your heart like integrity. I traveled with two brothers and a brother-in-law in Southern Gospel Music for several years. And then uh, they went, all three went in separate ways and prepared for the ministry, and all three of them wound up in pastors. But when they left, we still had a, a big note on a bus that we traveled. We still owed for the albums that we, some of the albums that we had recorded. And all I had was a, a big bus with a bus payment and a, and a luggage full of albums. But I had my family. So I went home and I, I called the bank and I said, could I have 90 days exemption from bus payments? And they said, yes. And I said, I've... Uh, the people that travel with me are gone, but I'm, I need 90 days before I hit the road again. They said, uh, you call us in 90 days and we'll activate your payments. You're in good standing here at the bank. So I, I went home and I sat at the keyboard and I said, God, you've got to anoint these hands because I feel a calling and I want to stay faithful to the calling and I want my, my family to step in where the rest of my family stepped out. In 90 days, my family, our three children and Sherry and I got on the bus, tra started traveling again. And you would not believe the way that people responded. Everywhere we went, there were people born again. People, people gave generously in the offerings. And then the pastor would say at the restaurant after we leave, he said, we have a question to ask you. Last time you were here, you were uh, traveling with two brothers and a brother-in-law. Is that right? And I would say, yes. And they said, why would you travel with three ugly guys like that when you had such a beautiful family? 
I could hardly wait to get home so I could tell those three ugly, those two ugly brothers and my brother-in-law what the preachers were saying. God makes a way. He always makes a way. He wants you to know that he's going he's gonna to direct your life. He said, in all your ways, if you'll acknowledge me. How do we acknowledge the Lord? When we're up against it or when we've made mistakes and we'll just say, God, I, I blew it. I need help. I need wisdom. I, I want you to show me what to do. In Jeremiah 33 and 3, he confirms that. Call unto me and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you know nothing about. There's not a person in this building this morning, but what you've been at the crossroads of life. Maybe you've blew it. Maybe you've made a bad mistake, and, and, and the enemy wants you to turn your back and run, or he wants you to justify the reason you did it. There's nothing like the two powerful words when we made a mistake, and that is, I'm sorry. Nothing else I've ever learned about Robert Morris's teaching, and he's, he stands tall in my life. He said, Pastor, always take the low road. Boy, is that hard to do. Always be willing to say, forgive me. Always be willing to say, I'm sorry. Always be willing. Whether you feel like it's your, your, you know, whether you feel guilty about it or not, learn to say, I'm sorry. What's wrong with that? I can tell you the only thing that keeps us from saying it, and I went years not, not willing to say that until one day the Lord unlaced my life, and he said, Pride keeps you from the blessings of God. And when you learn to start saying, I'm sorry, it, it was my fault. He said, I'll bless you in manners like you've me- never been blessed before, and he did. We're all built by the hand of God. We're all, we're all, we're all created in the image of God. And inside of all of us, there's a void that he wants to fill. He wants us to fill it with good things. He wants it to be filled with the word of God so it'll be a light lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway. He wants us to have constant peace with, in our heart because he's taking care of us. And the other thing I want to mention to you this morning is you gain trust, respect, honor, and influence when you make integrity your 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 greatest desire god i want integrity when i blow it i want to be big enough to say i'm sorry lord when i have when i made a bad decision teach me lord how important it is even as a pastor to say look I'm, i blew it i'm sorry and in the hours of darkness that tries to flood us and take us out many times God says, if you'll trust me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in acknowledging me, I'll direct your life. When you live a life of integrity, not only do you gain all of these attributes, but you'll gain peace and guidance in your own life. I want to take a moment and look at a life of a a gentleman that uh, that he, he... he really made some bad decisions. He, had, he was sitting with Jesus, in fact, at the, at the Last Supper. And they were taking communion. And Jesus began to tell them. He said, you're going to, uh, you're going to see some things that you're not prepared for. You, uh, they're about to destroy my life. And as he said, it's at the communion table, which we're about to do this morning. He said, there's one sitting at the table that's going to betray me. And as they looked among themselves, the disciples says, who would do such a thing? 
And they begin to question among themselves, who would do this? And Jesus predicts, even in this hour that he's talking to the disciples, he said, Peter, or Peter says, Lord, I'll go to the point of death. I will never betray you. And the, the talk continued around the table. And Jesus sees the pride in Peter's life. And uh, Jesus says to him, said, Peter, Satan has de desired to sift you as wheat. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Peter said, Lord, you don't understand. He said, I, I, I'll go to prison. I'll, I'll go to death's point. I'm not going to betray you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to deny you. In verse 34 of the 22nd chapter of Luke, Jesus says these words to Peter, one of his disciples. I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you deny me three times. And you need to read the rest of the chapter to see what happens. Peter had seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. He had walked with the Lord. He had saw things happen that nobody else had seen. He was one of the men, one of the disciples that was with Jesus everywhere he went. As you read the rest of the chapter, Peter denies Christ three times. And the rooster crows. And the Bible says that Peter wept bitterly. You see, man looks on the heart, or man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. This isn't the last of Peter. If you want to follow on over into the New Testament, I mean, Peter realizes how frail his life really is. Sometimes his confession was not in line with his steps. But one day, on, on the day of Pentecost, God did something in Peter's life that changed him forever. And we see him preaching a simple message in 3,000 people in one message gives their heart to Jesus. We wind the message up this morning by saying this, no matter how many mistakes you make in following the Lord, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. Not only was there forgiveness for uh, the life that Peter had lived, but there was restoration and God restored him. He, he made something out of his life. It wasn't until Peter proved to himself that how frail his life was, how miserable he could be, and how disappointing he could be to his heavenly father. And when Peter re reached the bottom of the ladder, he wept bitterly. But notice the, what the Lord says, Peter, when you return to me, and I know you will, remember where you came from. And this morning, I want to challenge all of you today. Remember where you came from. Before Jesus came into our life, where were we? We were lost. We were without Jesus. We were like a ship on the, on the ocean without a sail. We were just drifting here, there, and everywhere. But when Jesus came into our life, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 said, we became brand new on the inside. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. We had a destination and we, we had the ability to face adversity and realize when God was for us, who could be against us. We had the power to say, I'm sorry, when, when really we just knew we had gone the wrong direction and done the wrong thing. And Jesus is saying to all of us this morning, I want you to recognize 
Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I saw how you would end life and what you would accomplish through life. And I said, you're worth it. And today, he wants me to encourage you. You're worth it. His plan has not changed for any life in this building this morning. He's still willing that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. He's willing today to restore you no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done. He's willing to restore everything that the canker worm, and we know who that is. That's the old enemy, old slewfoot. He's like a serpent. He knows how to slither through uh, the tall grass and get to where you're at. He know, his bite is, is full of venom. But Jesus says, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but as I give, the peace of God that directs your life. So this morning, I say to you, God is faithful. He withholds no good thing from those that walk up right before him. And he wants to do something in our life today. I close with this thought. Something has happened the past few days in my own life. And uh, an individual in our community that had hatred and malice toward me for years over a business that I was responsible for for one time. And things didn't work out. And I knew for, for, for 20 years that when that person would see me, they just never did see me. There was just, there was just this air of feeling, I wish you were dead. <laughs> Nobody but me had that. Friends like that, you're so blessed. But I got a, a text on my wife's phone this, this just a few days ago. And this person just emptied their heart to me. And they said, for years, I, de I developed a real hate for you. I didn't like you. I, I had unforgiveness in my heart towards you. And I realized that, that I have been wrong. And she says, uh, in the note, she said, would you forgive my husband and I for the way we've treated you? I, I, didn't, re I didn't respond immediately. I wanted to pray. And I wanted to make sure that what I had to say were, were heavy words that came from my heart and not from my mouth. One evening this past week, I sat down and I took Sherry's phone. That's where the message it came from. And I responded like this. And she said, you know, the business you had, we had, we had put everything we had into it. And it failed because of the mistakes you made. And so I responded in these words. I'm so sorry for the mistakes I made and the cost it has been to you and your husband. I am so sorry uh, for the hurt that I brought to you and your husband, and I'm so sorry for the business that failed. And, and I am so glad that you have asked me to forgive you because the day that it happened, the Lord gave me strength to forgive, and life had to move on. And But I said, you're forgiven, and I want you to know you're forgiven, and uh, and I thank you for opening the door and allowing me to speak to you. Again, I'm sorry. Sherry and I love you. It wasn't but a night or two that there was another response. 
and another response. And she opened the door for me to have a personal invitation into their life once again. When I left that appointment, hot tears streamed down my face. Almost probably closer to 20 years than it had been 10. But there was a releasing of people that had been held in prison toward a preacher. You know, whether you, whether you want to think you're wrong or not, I found out one thing. If you'll just allow the Lord to fight your battle, just go ahead and accept what people say about you. And if it's not true, you don't have to worry about it. If it is true, ask for forgiveness. That's, that's how I, Jesus lifted the load of sin out of my life when I asked him to forgive me. And listen, a great, one of the greatest attributes that will build your integrity is these, are these words that go along with what I've already said. Would you find it in your heart to forgive me? There, I, I laid down that, that evening after uh, responding to this text, and, and, and these are the words that flowed out of my spirit. God, you're such an awesome God. You give us the ability to love even when unlovable things are happening. And you give us strength knowing that we have a friend that lives closer than our own brother who picks us up and carries us through the darkest hours of our life and allows us to know there's always new beginnings, there's always a, a better day coming, and we're just passing through. This is not our home. We're just getting ready to go home. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Lord, I just thank you today for the opportunity of knowing whom we have believed and knowing that we can be persuaded to believe that what you've said is what you'll do. And there's nothing like the integrity of your word because your word is nothing but truth. It's truth. It's, it's, it's filled with truth. It's filled with power. It's filled with vitality and every element that our spirit man needs because it comes from the throne of God. This morning, I just pray in this quiet moment before we move forward for communion. If there are those this morning that you've allowed, they've allowed the enemy to try to destroy them from the inside out. Maybe things have gone the wrong direction. Lord, let them remember what you did for Job, Lord. There may be somebody sitting here this morning that just feels like everything they've touched has gone the wrong direction. But Job lost his family. He lost his wealth. He, his wife even lost the confidence that God was going to see them through and, and gave bad advice to her husband. But Job refused to allow what he's seen and heard to distract him from what he knew. He knew that you were faithful. You were a faithful God. You were a loving God. And though the enemy tried, stole everything that he, you, he had, God returned to him twice of what he had lost. Lord, in the closing moment this morning of this service, I just speak peace over this entire congregation this morning. The peace that the world can't give and the peace that the world doesn't have the ability to take away as long as we come boldly to the throne of grace. I pray this morning, Lord, there would be just something, there's just something in the atmosphere this morning that's, that I, I believe, Lord, today that you're, you're allowing us to be on track. You're doing something inside of the body of Christ this morning. You're bringing those from the outer edge, the outer circle into the inner circle. 
And Lord, you're doing something in all of our life so we can be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. And I want to thank you for your goodness and mercy today. In Jesus' name we pray.